Lead me, oh Lord, won't you lead me? I'm tired and I need thy strength and power to guide me over my darkest hour. Lord, just open my eyes that I may see. Lead me, O Lord, won't you lead me? Lead me, guide me along the way for if you lead me I cannot stray Lord just open my eyes that I may see lead me oh Lord won't you Your hand from me, I am blind without thy light to see. Lord, just always let me thy servant be. Lead me, O Lord, won't you lead me? Lead me, guide me along the way. For if you lead me, I cannot stray. Lord, just open my eyes that I may see. Lead I'm lost if you take your hand from me. I am blind without thy light to see. Lord, just always let me thy servant be. Lead me. Won't you lead me? And he will praise God. Lead me, guide me along the way. For if you lead me, I cannot stray. Lord, just open my eyes that I Lead me, oh Lord, won't you lead me? Lead me, oh Lord, won't you lead me? Praise God. Praise God. Satan's like a roaring lion, he's roaming to and fro. 
seeking whom he may devour. The Bible tells me so. He's after me this moment and he wants to bring me down. But I say, no way, you can't take my crown. You can't take my crown, no, you can't take my crown. I'll never hand it over, I'll never lay it down. Oh, I won't be defeated when there's victory all around. I say, no way, you can't take my crown. Feels low. Worry presses in on me, there's trouble all the time. Tempter messes with my mind, talks into my mind. But I'm holding on to Jesus, I speak to fear and doubt. I say, no way, you can't take my crown. Remember that one? You can't take my crown, no, you can't take my crown. I'll never hand it over, I'll never lay it down. Oh, I won't be defeated when there's victory all around. I say, no way, you can't take my crown. No, you can't take my crown, no, you can't take my crown. I'll never hand it over. I'll never lay it down. Oh, I won't be defeated when there's victory all around. I say, no way, you can't take my crown. I say, no way, you can't take my crown.
who are we that you would be mindful of us what do you see that's worth looking our way we are free in ways that we never should be sweet release from the grips of these chains but like hinges straining from the
such a tiny offering, tiny offering Lord, compared to Calvary, but nevertheless, we lay it at your feet. One more time, it's such a tiny offering, it's such a tiny offering, oh, compared to Calvary, yes, but, but nevertheless. We lay it at your feet. Oh, all that is within me cries for you alone. Be glorified, Emmanuel, God with us. Oh, my heart sings a brand new song. The dead is paid. Holy, holy is the Lord God. 
nation I sing praise to the King of Kings. You are my everything, and I will adore you. wonder, all struck wonder, at the mention of Jesus' name. Jesus, your name is power, breath of living water, such a marvelous mystery. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. Almighty, who was and is and is to come. With all creation I sing praise to the King of Kings. You are my everything and I will adore you. struck wonder at the mention of his name Jesus your name is power breath of living water such a marvelous mystery holy 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 is the Lord God almighty who was Praise to the King of Kings. You are my everything, and I will adore you.
lies. Oh, but my God said it ain't over. Good to be with you this morning. Have my wife and our friend Debbie to worship the Lord with you. And I want to thank you for your support, uh, your generous monthly support. We had a wonderful two months in Zimbabwe. We had uh, 70 some opportunities to teach and preach and just had uh, a really fruitful time. And Zimbabwe is never far from our heart. As you know, we lived there for 22 years and raised four children there. So there's a strong attraction. And we try to make it every year a trip, and the trips seem to be getting longer and longer. So pray for us. We want to be fruitful whether there or here. On Tuesday, I'll be at St. Catherine's. There's an eighth grade class. The whole class, uh, each year, the eighth graders read a book I wrote titled Blindsided. And so I go, and they have, uh, we have a whole morning together, and they have lots of great questions. God's done amazing things. One eighth grade girl who the teacher told me she hadn't believed in God and was detached and Uh, When it came to religious instruction, she wasn't interested. But after reading the book, uh, she's a believer now, and she's so engaged. Her life's been transformed. That's what it's all about. And I want to be an encouragement to you today. Um, When we go to Zimbabwe, we teach. That's my motivational gift. They need discipling. They need teaching. Uh, There's a lot of evangelism that's happened, but the raising up of leaders and teaching them who God is. It was really important to know the Lord, to know his nature, his character. And I would say of all the questions we can ask, the greatest question is what is God like? All our other questions revolve around that. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I from? Where am I going? What is God really like? Well, God's revealed himself to us in his word and by his deeds, what he has done. That's how we come to know somebody. It's by what they say and what they do. He's a person that we can know. And I want to share with you, I want to focus on three great truths regarding the Lord, that we must keep in mind when we think of him, when we talk about him, when we worship him, when we, when we pray. Keep these great truths in mind. They're in Exodus chapter 3. If you've got your Bible, you want to turn over, we see them in Exodus 3. We see them throughout the Bible. This is a great chapter a famous chapter, a well-known chapter. Exodus chapter 3 is the chapter where God reveals himself to Moses, his name. He calls Moses to go back to Egypt to deliver the Israelites out of 
bondage in Egypt. And in Exodus 3.14, God said, and I'm reading from the New King James Bible, and God said to Moses, I am who I am. The old King James says, I am that I am. And he said, thus shall you say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Hashem, they say as Hebrews, the name, the solemn name. When the scribes would write the scriptures, and it appears 5,000 times in the Old Testament, they would go and wash their hands, and they would come back, and they would write on the scroll the name, I am who I am. I am that I am. You know the significance of names in the Bible. It reveals what is most essential, something uh, significant about that person. And the first thing about God, the fact that God is, that he exists. <laughs> a wonder, a marvel, awestruck. The one who is self-existent, self-sustaining, self-determined. He has life in and of himself. When we come to God, we know he exists, he is. He who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. God is. And apart from him, there would be absolutely nothing. The reason there's something is because God is. I don't know about you, but when I think about this uncaused, unchangeable, unending, self-existent one. I'm just, my mind is just gobsmacked. You know, they say of all the mysteries, the mystery of God's self-existence is one of the most profound mysteries. Only God knows how and why he has always existed. Oh, he's eternal. Isaiah the prophet says there's no God beside him, no God other than him. He reveals himself. Moses says, what shall I say? What's your name? God says, I am who I am. It's a, it's a revelation of his existence, his self-being, but it's also a refusal to be limited by a name. Because you can't put a label on God. You can't put God in a box. He's too big. He's more than. He's greater than whatever name or label we would put on him. Like that burning bush here in Exodus 3, which Moses turned aside to look at. God's a mystery. He's supernatural. This bush was burning, but it wasn't burning up. Moses had seen a lot of bushes catch fire, but they would burn into oblivion. Not this bush. This bush is blazing, and out of the midst of it, God speaks and calls him Moses. Moses. You know, God is calling each and every one of us by name. And 
The reason we're here is because he wanted and desired us. We exist for his good pleasure. In him we live and move and have our being. Not that God needed us. It's better than that. He wanted us. The Bible says, and, and Paul was preaching on Mars Hill to the Athenians, to the philosophers, and he said, the Lord of heaven and earth is not served by human hands as though he needed anything. This self-existent one who was from everlasting to everlasting willed you and I, and we exist because of him. Yes, but mankind decided they would worship the creature and the creation rather than the creator. Worshiping created things. Paul, in writing to the Romans, says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them. God for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but they became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of God, the glory of the incorruptible God, into an image made like uncorruptible man, and birds, and four-footed animals, and creeping things. Can you imagine this God who is self-existent, pure spirit, absolute reality, one of a kind, in a class all of his own, like no other, compared to creeping things. We got to look up. God is. And he is completely other. Utterly holy. There is none like him. That's why the psalmist says, Look up, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech. Night unto night shows knowledge. There is no language or speech where their words are not heard. It has gone out into all the earth. Every nation, tribe, kindred, and tongue. God is. Yes, he's spoken in the things that he's created. He's made. They speak of him. They speak of his power in his eternity but we see God speaks here to Moses not only God is but we see in verse 7 and the Lord said I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters for I know their sorrows Oh, my, my, my. God knows. He is, and he knows. Sometimes that's the only response I have to what I hear at times. 
God knows. He knows. He knows it inside and out. He knew where Moses was. He knew where to find Moses. He knew Moses' whole history. He knows the past. He knows the present. He knows the future. He knew us when we were in our mother's womb. All the members of our body known to him before they were formed. All of our days. He knows us inside and out. He knows us better than we know ourselves. All the hairs on our head are numbered. God knows. He's not a mindless force. He's not the combination of all that's created. He's not the universe trying to speak to us. No, God's not chance, blind fate. He's not some autonomous thing. He thinks, he feels, he's self-aware, he's conscious, he knows. Like you, or I should say you like him. He has feelings and thoughts and a will. And he says to Moses, I've seen. I see what's going on. I see how the Egyptians are treating you. I hear the cry, the groan, the agony. I see it all, and I know their sorrows. I don't know about you, but when I think about how God knows our sorrows, he knows intimately what we have been through, our hearts at the deepest possible level. It's like what we sang earlier. Who is man, God, that you are mindful of him, that you think about him? The psalmist says, how precious are your thoughts toward me, O God. If I were to number them, they're more than the sand on the seashore. God has precious thoughts a multitude of thoughts. He thinks about us. He thinks about what you're going through. He sees it. He understands it. He feels it. The prophet Isaiah said, in all their afflictions, he was afflicted. All their sorrows, he was made sorrowful. Yes, God knows the deepest realities of our heart. He knows everything. Moses, God is calling Moses to go back to Egypt. Moses has been there. He's done that. He failed miserably. He tried to deliver them, and he ran for his life. And now God says, go back. Moses started off with, here I am. That's a good first start off when God calls you to do something. Here I am, Lord. We see the prophets. We see young prophet Samuel. Here I am, Lord. Isaiah, when he saw the Lord high and lifted up in the temple, here am I, Lord, send me. Moses starts well, but when God tells him what he wants to do, he goes from here I am to who am I? He knows Egypt. He knows Pharaoh's court. It was the world power at that time. Who am I? They're not going to listen to me. Israelites are going to say, who made you a ruler over us? I can't do this. But it's a wonderful truth. He goes on and he, he gets beyond who am I to ask God, what's your name? Who are you? We only know who we are when we know who God is. Person after person, besides 
Moses in the Bible, they come to know who they are as they come to know who God is. Guy threshing, hiding from the Midianites, Gideon, in fear. And God says, thou mighty man of valor. Who are you talking to, Lord? Well, when he comes to know who God is, well, where's all those mighty works our forefathers talked about? And we all have our questions. We all have our issues. But when we know God is and God knows, he sees, he hears, he feels. I was in a church growing up. I went through the, the, the rituals, the, tried to keep the rules. I had no relationship with God. I didn't know who the Lord was. Till my second year at Xavier University, and God made himself known to me. I began to discover who I am, knowing who he is and his calling. And it's because of the third thing that we see here. Not only God is and that he knows and he sees, all the monotheistic religions of the world believe that. But this is the third thing that we see here that we must always keep in mind when we think of God. And if the first two don't get to you, the third one should. And if the third one doesn't, nothing will. In verse 8, this is what God says. And I am come down to deliver them, to rescue them. God comes down. And this, obviously, is the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. God was manifested in the flesh. It's a great mystery. We sang about the mystery today. The I am that I am comes as a human being. The transcendent one that is so high and far and beyond all that is created, the universe cannot contain him, comes down and is born like a baby, like the baby we saw dedicated today. The mystery of Christ, profound mystery, the mystery of godliness, God manifest in the flesh. So Jesus arrives on the scene and no wonder I am comes out of his mouth. In John's gospel, I am the bread of life that came down from heaven. I am the good shepherd. You're not yet 30 years, of, you're only 30 some years of age. I mean, before Abraham was, I am. They understood the I am that I am who had spoken to Moses. Wait a minute now, they picked up stones. You're just a man. You're making yourself God. <laughs> what a profound mystery that God came in human form. Born a baby. Philippians 2 talks about this. Though he were in the form of God, he did not think it something to be retained, but emptied himself of his divine attributes and became a man. Born a babe. I pondered lately how 
the Lord Jesus had to grow in stature and wisdom. How like you and I, he had to, he had to learn things. He didn't have all that in his mind. He, 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 I think of those little hands. We have our nativity scene at Christmas. My wife got a new one this year. And the, the, the baby Jesus and the nativity scene. And our grandchildren looking at the baby Jesus and those little hands that would play with toys. Those little hands that would hold the Torah and learn to read God's word. That he would grow. Those hands that would learn to fashion out of wood furniture. That he would grow in stature and in understanding and favor and in wisdom. By age 12, he's already to such a degree the formation of his understanding and his growth. He's in the temple asking them questions and they're amazed. The answers that he gives as well. And out of that soul comes the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And out of that soul that grew up and, and, and developed, yes, he was without sin, but he continued to choose to respond. And he observed things. Come the parables. Consider the lilies of the field. They don't toil. That your father clothes them better than Solomon in all his glory. And they bring him coins and, 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 and different things he's confronted with. And we see the Lord Jesus. God come as a man and experiencing all that we experience. So the prophet Isaiah says, who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? He shall grow up before him as a tender plant out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness that we should desire him. Matter of fact, he's a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as our faces from him. He was despised and rejected. And we esteemed him not. Surely he has bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. When we consider the Lord Jesus and we talk about God coming down, this should grab our hearts in such a way. That the God who, who stretched forth the universe and made us would come down and dwell with us and take our sin upon himself and experience everything that we have experienced. He says, I have come down to rescue and to deliver. And how he does that is the wonder of wonders. It's the cross. He doesn't come down like he did on Mount Sinai when he came down and the mountain was on fire and it smoked and Moses' knees shook and it was terrifying and God was wanting to teach them the fear of the Lord and if anything touched the mountain, it had to be pierced because God is so holy. And the flames and the voice that thundered and spoke, the Israelites were so terrified, they said, don't have God speak to us anymore. You speak to us, but not God directly. It was, it was if you've seen terrible storms, whether they be flood, hurricanes, or whether they be tornadoes, uh, uh, it, nothing to compare. 
to what Mount Sinai was experiencing. The mountain shook. It was terrifying. And yes, he was teaching them the fear of the Lord. And I think of how Jesus came down. Not like he did on Mount Sinai, but he came down with such vulnerability as a baby. He was so accessible. People could touch him. People who were even unclean could touch him. He was so humble. See, God wins our hearts, not through power and demonstration. He wins our hearts through his humility and vulnerability and accessibility. My mom passed on to be with Jesus May of last year. She was 98 years old. Italian stock. You know, they don't make them the way they used to. She was a strong lady. I came back to America in 2007, and I, I always loved my mom, but as I watched her go from being one who could drive and walk and care for herself and even for great-grandchildren, I watched her where she could no longer drive, not even walk except with a walker. And then she became confined to a wheelchair. In her last months, she was bedridden. She was so grateful, thankful for whatever anyone did, did not complain. She's a hard act to follow. But what I learned was my heart loved her more in her weakness than in her strength. And this is what God has done in coming down. He didn't come down in power. He came down in the weakness of the cross to die our place, to win our hearts, to captivate us in our devotion, to rescue us, to take upon himself all the tragedy and brokenness and trauma and trouble that the world can throw to deliver us and rescue us from Egypt, a type of the world, from Pharaoh, a type of the devil. He came down to take all of our sin and its consequences upon himself. I think of that, and I think, wow. Here the creator coming to his creatures, and they don't receive him. He even comes to the own nation that he's formed, and they reject him. It's a tragedy. At a human level, it's just, it, it, it's, it, and, and, and they want a thief instead of him. They want Barabbas. His own disciples and followers are scattered from him. One of his close associates betrays him. The rejection, the things that we fear, he took upon himself such rejection, such shame. And the pain, the things that we fear, torture, excruciating execution by crucifixion. He takes it all. To rescue us, the weakness of the cross, the vulnerability, the humility of Christ. 
He came down. It moves my heart like nothing else when I ponder what Jesus endured for me, what he suffered. Sometimes we're like the children of Israel. God had delivered them out of Egypt. He had rescued them with mighty signs and wonders. But then in the wilderness, they revert back to idol worship, a golden calf. See, it it takes more than being brought out of Egypt. It's not just our environment. It's not just the world. It's just not the stuff around us. It's inside us. It's called sin. And so the children of Israel, they make this golden calf, and they, they worship repeatedly in the wilderness, the host of heaven, and all kinds of idols. And serpents come in to their camp, poisonous, vipers with venom. And some start dying. And they cry out to Moses. And they say, Moses, deliver us from these serpents. God goes to Moses. Moses doesn't say, just lift up your staff. The serpents will depart. He says, no. Form a a serpent on a pole and set it in the midst of the camp. And everyone who looks will be healed. Amazing. Jesus says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. It's a picture of the cross. Christ becoming sin. Cursed is everyone who hangs upon a tree. Him bearing the full penalty and wrath for sin. Do me. And there he endures it on the cross. But this looking... You know, we need to look at, and when we look at what Jesus endured at the cross, and we consider and ponder his death, we see how ugly sin is, but how beautiful the love of God is. It changes our heart. It delivers us. It gives us power over sin to be forgiven, to be set free. So all the trauma that Jesus bore, we face and we look at at the cross and we're delivered. Psychologists say, and it's one of the tenets I believe that's true of psychology, that you've got to willingly face the things that you fear. You you deprive it of its power. When you face and you look at, and we've been looking at the cross for 2,000 years to understand how it heals and how it delivers and how it sets free. And there is no other way to freedom. It's not just talking in my own mind and having the right thoughts as important as it is, renewing the mind and replacing lies with truth, as important as that is, as important as the environment is, it takes something deeper and greater. And it's looking to what Jesus did on the cross, how he identified with me in my lowly estate, in my sin, in my brokenness, and how he was broken for me, that he's come down. And my last thing on this, God is, he knows, and he's come down. It's to bring you out, just like he brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, but not just to bring you out, but to bring you in. And I don't know 
what you need to be brought out of today and what you need to be brought into. But I know all of us have things where God is constantly wanting to bring us out of and into. Out of something old, into something new. Out of maybe our own thoughts and in his thoughts on the matter. Out of our own ways into his ways. Our hurtful ways into his helpful ways. He was wanting to bring us out, just like he brought us out of sin, into righteousness. Just how he brought us out of death into life. And brought us out of confusion and, and torment into a place of peace. He wants to bring you out and bring you in to a land flowing with milk and honey. I think of the milk of his word, the honey of his sweetness. I think of God coming down. I don't want your pain to be wasted, Lord Jesus. I want to receive every benefit. I don't want to waste my pain. I want to receive the fullness for what you died for. Such a great salvation. Where you're at today is not where God wants you to be tomorrow. He takes us from glory to glory, from faith to faith, from strength to strength. He takes us from where we're at to where we're to be. There's a promised land to occupy and take. And every step we take, he wants us to possess. And yes, there are enemies and there are strong fortified cities and there are giants. And there is opposition and hostility. But the greater one lives in us. He has come down. And as you know, he came down on the day of Pentecost in a rushing mighty wind to empower the church. He came down to fill that group of first believers in the upper room to empower them. I want to pray with you this morning. The God who has come down to rescue you, to bring you out, to bring you in, would do what needs to be done in your life. And you may know, it might be an area of struggle. It might be an area where there's groaning, where there's affliction. Yes, there's suffering before glory. We know the story. But the story doesn't end with suffering. It ends with glory. It ends in the promised land, the land of milk and honey. It ends not on Friday, but on Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. And it might be Friday in an area, but Sunday's coming. And it's by faith. If you, if you have an area, just close your eyes. Where God is, you know he's wanting to bring you out and he's wanting to bring you in. And maybe you're in between out and in. Maybe, maybe you don't even know what it looks like. But there's a yearning. There's a longing. There's a groaning in your heart. Just lift your hand right where you're at. I want to pray for you. God bringing you out to bring you in. And whatever opposition and, opposition and obstacles there are, God's rescuing power. Father, I just thank you right now for those whose hands have been raised. Just stand with me and lift your hand. Stand with me. Let's all stand together and receive power from the Holy Spirit today. Refreshment. 
a refilling. Father, I pray that you come by the Holy Spirit and refill us and re-empower us for breakthrough that we might enter into all you have for us. Father, in the name of Jesus, you have come down. Manifest yourself, I pray, in our midst with strength and power. We know Christ was crucified in weakness, but he lives now by the power, by your power, forever and ever. Help that one, Lord, that's struggling in their body where there's pain. Help that one, Lord, in their mind where there's confusion, where there's thoughts that pull them down. Lord, where there's conflict and rub in relationships. Lord, grant revelation where there's, where there's a need for wisdom and understanding. We just lift our hands to you, Lord. Just pray this after me, Lord. I receive from your hand. I believe that you are. I believe you know and I believe you're here in my midst. You've come down to live your life inside me. Father, we thank you for that resurrection life inside each one. We thank you for raising each one up above the things that they are contending with in their life. We thank you for that resurrection power, Lord, to prevail and to overcome and to be more than a conqueror. God, we thank you. <laughs> that you suffered what seemed like defeat so that we would be indestructible, that our spirits, oh, would rise in victory over everything we contend against, that you felt abandoned, Lord, you felt forsaken upon the cross, that we might never feel forsaken or forgotten. God, I pray for each one today, strength and might and power, in their inner person to prevail. Lord, that we would leave here today oh, walking in victory. Thank you, Father, for victory. Great victory. Great victory. Just talk to him in your own words. Just pour out your heart to him. Never, ever despises that. He's ever mindful. Tell him. Pour out your heart to him. Trust him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. guilty with nothing to say and they were coming to take me away but then a voice from heaven
some of us need to go back and face something where there's been failure or frustration or it hasn't worked. Just like God called Moses back to Egypt. I believe there's some things in our life where we need to go back and face where maybe there was defeat or there was maybe a dream that died. But it was of God. God wants to renew us and to go back, and he'll help you, just like he helped Moses. He'll be with you. You think, well, I tried that. It didn't work. Or, you know, God put something in your heart, and it hasn't happened. God began to speak to my heart about something. Do it again. He'll help you. Press in. Crown of thorns and the spear deep in his side and the pain well it should have been mine those rusty mentioned the thief on the cross and I thought about that this last week the thief turned and recognized what Jesus was going through and that he wasn't guilty he wasn't guilty of being hung on the cross so the thief acknowledged him he actually said Lord remember me And you know what? Jesus promised him he'd be with him in paradise. I think sometimes we come into the house of God or we're around godly people, but we're on the outside looking in. And I want you to know just what he said today. We need to acknowledge who God is in our own hearts. Lord, I know you're what I need. You're the one. Set your son, pay my price. Acknowledge him and receive him. That's all you got to do today. You got to go through that door. 
If you're not there, this altar calls for you. We're not trying to get you to join our church. We're not trying to get you to do anything but come to Jesus. He's the answer. He's the Savior of the world. And he's the way that every one of us has to come. If you don't know him today, don't walk out without a change comes into your life. Receive him. Acknowledge him. Say it with your mouth. Say it with your heart. Lord, I need you. He will open up your life like you never saw. It's a door you cannot see until you come to him. Then he will open up your life and show you. See, I've had a lot of people say, I don't know if God could forgive me. I don't know if I understand enough. No, it's simply coming and acknowledging who he is and what he's done for you at Calvary. That's what he requires first. Come to the door of Christ. While they sing one more chorus, you come if you need to come. Unto 